0: Welcome to the Christmas edition of What Happens After. It's our podcast. My name is Bryce.
1: And I'm Melissa.
0: And you can probably hear two twin boys in the background. That is Levi and Tate. The last time we did one of these podcasts, uh, we actually announced it. You were pregnant. pregnant yes. Yeah. <laughs> so it's been about six months since we've jumped on here, and we've thought about it for a little while. And we thought, being Christmas, there's a lot going on uh, with our lives at the moment. So we thought it's probably a good time to jump on. Yeah, uh,
1: that's right,
0: Levi. Levi <laughs> is saying it should have been earlier. Tate's asleep on mum's lap as we speak. But considering what we've been through in the last probably oh, six to nine months, really, with the boys. Uh, obviously, we've seen a lot of you have started following our journey, which has been. Uh, Really, I guess, inspiring for us because it's kind of got us through the last nine months, hasn't it?
1: Yeah, and we've uh, been following a lot of people back and watching other families and their journeys with their babies. So it's a lot of sharing, a lot of love on social media.
0: One thing that I guess was sort of unique about our journey is that our boys were born 10 weeks premature and a lot of you have followed us for that reason. And we thought we'd try and bring a bit of light on what's happened with us over that past nine months since we found out We were having the twins to the boys arriving 10 weeks early and we're also going to have a special guest from a very special foundation in this episode too, uh, Miracle Babies Foundation. The CEO of that's going to join us shortly to update us on what they do and I guess how they helped us as well. But this is what happens after the podcast, the Christmas edition. I've been through heartaches, I've been to heaven, I've done my best and my worst, learned my lessons. All right, babe, where do we start? Do we go all the way back to that day in when we found that you were pregnant? Or do we skip it forward to, I guess, where we got to the point that Levi and Tate decided to come 10 weeks early?
1: Yeah, I think the the bubs coming 10 weeks early is probably the most defining moment of our whole pregnancy journey
0: yeah and I guess our relationship too so yeah back on October 16 it was a Saturday morning uh we were lying in bed it was around 8am and you had a, bit of a situation happen
1: <laughs> I was just lying in bed just waking up and I wet myself
0: you said to me I remember because I was still like <laughs> half asleep you said babe I can't stop wetting myself and you went to the bathroom and I was like oh well like just see what happens over the next like half hour to hour and then you were panicking yourself because it
1: wasn't, it wasn't It wasn't stopping. No, yeah, it it wasn't like, it was just <laughs> uh, TMI, but it was just a little trickle here and yeah. there. It wasn't, it, it didn't feel like my water's breaking and, and it's not like how you imagine it watching movies and television shows where it just comes out like a gushing river.
0: Like um, I've seen on The yeah. Simpsons, like it just gushes out <laughs> all over the floor. And no, it was very different and then, I guess we thought nothing of it because we neither, neither of us have been through that experience of witnessing what can happen when a female goes into labour. In
1: fact, I just cried and cried, thinking that yeah. this is what the rest of our pregnancy journey was going to be like. I I just thought I was going to be continuously wetting myself from that point on because it was ten weeks before I was due to give birth. But uh, no, I um after what an hour and hour and a bit of continuously wetting myself every time I stood up or moved. I Googled some of my symptoms and I had a hunch that I was going into labor, but that was the only symptom that I had.
0: Yeah, I guess we didn't think much of it apart from what Dr. Google said to us. And by the way, we don't recommend getting all your medical advice from Google. Uh, Definitely see a trained practitioner, but so much so for us, we didn't think that much of it that we went and actually got breakfast at a a smoothie cafe, didn't we? We weren't going... some smoothies and went to your parents' place, and then that's when we sort of realised, okay, maybe there's something a bit more serious going on here, and went straight to the maternity ward at the hospital.
1: Yeah. So at the this at the smoothie place, I uh, started getting what felt like really bad period pains and cramping. Something shocking. Went to mum's. Told mum, you know, can you come, you know, help me out in the bathroom? I just want to show you something. And then yeah, there was um there was blood. So we made an emergency dash to the hospital, called yeah. them and told them we were on the way and they said come in straight away and they had a look over me and uh, by that point I was obviously starting to have contractions and that was the most painful thing that I've ever experienced.
0: Yeah, it was a uh, an interesting situation because we were so lucky when we got in there. There was actually no one there apart from us. So we walked in, got straight in, to one of the specialist rooms, and what, within 15, 20 minutes, one of the midwives or the nurses said, look, uh, we're not going to kid you, you're going to be popping out two boys this afternoon or tonight, and then, yeah, what was about eight hours, maybe ten hours later, the boys had arrived?
1: Yeah, so from the time that we were admitted at 11 o'clock in the morning, I was... Uh, I was giving birth to the babies just after 7pm hmm. that same day.
0: Yeah, and then obviously, I guess being 10 weeks early, we sort of not went into a bit of a panic about it all, but we was just, I guess you think, is this alright? Because you hear of situations where uh, babies are born premature and you think, oh, it terrifying. is there going to be something potentially wrong with them when they come out? We knew they were going to be tiny. Uh, they were born at literally 1.1 1. 1 kilos Tate was, and Levi was 1.2. So to give you an idea, they were literally almost the size of my hand. We could have carried them in one hand. And um, Yeah, they were born in Frankston Hospital, and then I guess they did sort of word us up that the boys were going to be transported to a neonatal unit, so to the NICU, which is basically an ICU for premature babies and basically give them the best support to try and get through the initial stages of life for them. And yeah, I guess two hours later after they were born... Uh, around midnight, they were transported up to the Mercy for Women's Hospital up at Heidelberg. So for us, we lived down in Mornings Peninsula. So it was like literally about an hour's drive or so away. And that was our lives for the next five weeks.
1: Yeah. Yeah, we've got to give a huge thanks to everyone at Frankston Hospital for for such an amazing birth. I was basically pain-free. After my epidural, it was amazing. Frankston Hospital was just so accommodating and brought our our beautiful babies into the world safely. And then to Mercy for Women's in Heidelberg, who looked after our babies for those first very scary, terrifying five weeks of where they uh, were touch and go.
0: Yeah, and I guess that's where, I guess you can say it politely, she got real for us really quickly. Nothing can prepare you for your baby's going into a NICU unit. But yeah, when we got there and saw what it was like, it just it freaked us out. We're like, are our boys actually all right? Are they hiding things from us? Are they trying to make it sound better than what the situation is? And look, the staff up at the Mercy up in Heidelberg, where the boys were for the first five weeks of their life, they were so good, especially that first week. There was a bit of a scare with Levi having a bleed on the brain. And we oh. obviously went straight into panic mode. We're thinking... Yeah shit, something's not right here. Is he going to make it was our first thought. And then they said, look, it's it's nothing too serious to worry about just yet. It's obviously not what we want to see. But he got it in the end and it's healed itself over time, which is good. And little Tater Tot, he, uh, <laughs> he was the one that was a bit of a worry when they came out. But he just ended up fighting from the get-go. He was just eager to grow and develop. And he's really given us no trouble, has he, from day one or day two
1: no both boys have been such little fighters they obviously been premature babies they had uh, they were quite underdeveloped still so their lungs were our biggest issue they had breathing issues from day one and my goodness we we've basically photographed their journey the whole way through and looking back to those first week or two of photos I, I can't even look at them they are they absolutely break my heart looking at all the wires and tubes and needles in their, yeah. in their tiny, tiny little bodies, nothing can prepare you for what you go through in NICU and these special care nurseries.
0: Yeah, and I guess one of the things that if you don't know much about NICU, it is a full on experience for not only the babies, but the parents too. And there is organisations out there that do support, uh, I guess, parents through it and the babies themselves, but... Uh, We ended up coming across an organisation called the Miracle Babies Foundation, and look, they gave us a bit of a pack in there, gave us a lot of information on how to deal with it as new parents to the situation. Um, There's a lot more to it, so we thought what we would do is actually get the CEO of the foundation. Her name is Kylie. She's going to join us next on what happens after. So you've just heard us mention about a foundation that we came across while the boys were in NICU. And we thought to try and give you a bit of an understanding of what this organisation or foundation does, we'd actually get the CEO on Kylie Pussel to basically give you the proper understanding of what Miracle Babies Foundation does, because we can say it from our experience, but we'll get the expert herself on Kylie. Thanks for coming on the podcast.
2: Hi, thanks for having me.
0: Tell us a little bit about what exactly Miracle Babies Foundation does? Because we got to experience your amazing work that you do, but we'd prefer to hear it from you because you know exactly what's going on being the CEO.
2: So Miracle Babies, we started in 2005 and we started by a group of parents who had had a premature or sick newborn ourselves. So I really brought different experiences to the table and to be able to showcase things that might've helped us, things that were great, things that sometimes weren't great, um, but how we could make those improvements. And from there, we just started building on... Um, Parent support programs over the years, resources, advocacy, uh, research—it's just been such a gap in the Australian health system mm-hmm. to have that parent voice. And yeah, Miracle Babies has been able to do that nationally, and still a lot to do though.
0: We're first-time parents, as you well and truly know, but there's obviously a lot of development happen with, I guess, giving birth to uh, babies and whatnot with newborns, and. I guess what happened 30 years ago is very different to what happens now, for example. And that's where you guys actually come into play a lot more than you probably would have back then, I guess.
2: Yeah, completely. Over the decades, you can see the changes and from, you know, parents not being allowed into the NICU or being treated as visitors, um, you know, fire care, which is family integrated care, but also that parent voice and, and people sharing their stories has really changed the way. Um, that We see parents treated in NICUs, especially here in Australia. And, and now, you know, you're more part of the healthcare team. Um, you know, you're there, you're encouraged to be there as much as possible to do the cares for baby, you know, get involved, change the nappy, have kangaroo care cuddles um, and just start that bonding process so much earlier on. And we know through research and and, you know, long-term outcomes that it's so much better for the babies, but also for you as parents.
1: How can people get involved with your foundation, Kylie? Yeah, there's lots of ways people
2: can support. We have um, obviously fundraising options that you can do through the website or you can contact us. And people can do their own external fundraiser. They can raise funds with family and friends, which is always fun. Or you can simply donate and become a regular giver which obviously helps us be able to budget and forecast and help the areas that really need more services and resources. And, and even if it's not financially, just getting involved and sharing and spreading the word is so important as well. And, and letting people know, because, um, you know, most people, when you have a premature or sick baby, it's not something you're taught or you're told about. It's usually quite a sudden, real emotional yeah. shock. So being able to have someone say to you, hey, you know, reach out to Miracle Babies and they can give you some support to someone who may not be aware of us is always great as well.
0: And COVID no doubt would have had some sort of effect on how you guys operate amongst the hospital system. Uh, how much so has it actually affected you guys, I guess, as an organisation or a foundation?
2: Yeah, it's been a pretty tough years, I think, for everyone, not just um, us, but in the not-for-profit, but also for families, you know, and workers right across the country and the world. We were... Um, we're in a position March last year, sorry, where we had to suspend our hospital services. And then pretty much since then, they have been stop-start, whether it's been in hospital or in the community. And we've just been really adapting in, you know, whatever restrictions are put in place at the time and how can we continue to support families, but, you know, from a distance. And that's where um, we've been able to deliver a lot of online services and move a lot of that connection and interaction to, you know, a bit more one-on-one than in the hospital setting. But yeah, the visiting hours and what's happening to parents across the country and, you know, it's just heartbreaking to see and, you know, we're always working to to try and get that changed back to, you know, having full access as quick as possible.
0: We well, you know, what we went through a while in the NICU, and I guess when you go through the Mercy Hospital, for example, we used to see a lot of stories of other babies that had gone through other parents and their journey. Is there a sort of any particular sort of journey that you've gone through with parents that you can recall that will always stick in your mind about what they went through and whatnot, because I guess every parent's journey in NICU is very different, but there'd have to be one that sticks out.
1: Yeah, I've seen so many stories where parents are in NICU for months and months. Like we were in there for, what, almost two months, including special care nursery, but there are parents in there that are four months. Is there a particular story that stands out for you? Probably not just
2: one, unfortunately. There are so many, you know, connections and especially in the early years where I was in doing services you know quite often in the hospitals and and you do just form connections and relationships that you know 10 and 15 years on are still there and quite strong because it's such an emotional time for parents and you know the bubbers you know hopefully they go on and develop really great and don't have any long-term issues but for us as parents we're scarred it's kind of there you know and (laughs) can sometimes change what type of parent we thought we'd be um and can be quite life-changing as to you know what we see as important and valuable around us. So it's definitely life changing for us. Um, but yeah, there's just been so many and I always feel really privileged, not just for myself, but for our whole team that families allow us to be there at such an important and vulnerable time. And you know, for a lot of families, it can be quite traumatic and, you know, especially, you know, as you mentioned, you know, sometimes the longer the stay, the harder it gets. You just get people leaving around you and taking their babies home and you're kind of still sitting there. And when's my day going to come? Yeah. So, you know, it is it can be really heartbreaking for families of, of all different experiences. And even those who have shorter terms. term stays, it's still such a shock. Like you don't have a baby or get pregnant to think you're going to end up there so i think that's the whole emotional side of it that it just hits you from nowhere and it's to be careful
0: well we're very lucky we got our christmas presents earlier with the boys coming home before christmas so i know we're looking forward to the christmas period as no doubt you guys would be as well with the miracle babies foundation look i'm sure there's a lot of people that would love to be able to help you guys out you can obviously find the foundation on Instagram at Miracle Babies Foundation, but also the website too, Kyla. You might want to give that a plug and people can reach out to you through there.
2: Yeah, miraclebabies.org.au. And what we also have, and even though we might be having a bit of a break from the office over Christmas, our support line is still available. So that's 24-hour support. And that's for parents and that's for extended family and friends as well. Because sometimes, you know, it might be your sister or your aunt or your mother that might want to know, how can I support my child who's watching their child and, you know, in such a tough time. So that support's there for everyone. And that's um, one 622 243 And sometimes just a listening friendly supportive ear can you know just make that moment a little bit easier so please reach out for anyone if you do need any support or you're helping to support someone close around you.
0: Well, Kylie Pussler you guys are literally yeah. modern day angels in the real world with what you do with newborns so uh, thank you for jumping on our podcast we really appreciate it you're the CEO of Miracle Babies Foundation you're a very busy woman no doubt and obviously Christmas time too it's very hectic and babies don't stop coming out as i said earlier but you guys don't stop either so uh, thanks very much for coming on taking the time and i guess spreading awareness too about what the foundation does
2: thank you so much for having me and merry christmas to all of you on your first christmas with your bubbers and all your listeners as well merry christmas and stay safe and healthy
0: just heard from Kylie, the CEO of Miracle Babies Foundation. We do appreciate her for her time. So close to Christmas. They're obviously very busy, I guess, 24-7 dealing with babies. Babies don't stop popping out. They don't take a break. So we do appreciate her time. But I guess for us now, it's the time to get to the point where the boys came out of NICU and they finally came back down the highway close to us here at home and back to Frankston Hospital because it happened really quickly, hey?
1: Yeah, just all of a sudden one day we were told, get ready, the boys are are heading back towards home.
0: Yeah, they're going back to where they were born. So ideally the aim of Nico is to get the boys in, get them to a certain stage where they were sort of fit enough and developed enough to fight on with less assistance and come back to special care nursery where they were born. So we basically got to hospital one day, And they said to us, look, we're hoping to do it in the next couple of days, um, but we'll let you know.
1: We were so excited because we've been traveling over an hour every single day up to Heidelberg and all we wanted was the boys to be closer to home so we could spend more time because we're spending two hours in the car every day commuting. You lose two hours of time with your babies.
0: Yeah. And then when they did make the call to come down, they basically said, oh, look, it could happen. Tomorrow, I remember it was a Thursday, wasn't it? Mm -hmm. And they said, oh, it could be tomorrow, Friday, maybe Monday or Tuesday after the weekend. So we're like, yeah, okay, that's all good. And then literally they came in 20, 25 minutes later and said, oh, I've got some news for you. The boys are going to Frankston in two hours' time.
1: Their transport vehicle's on its way.
0: Yeah, so they travel in a, um, it's called Piper. So it's basically an ambulance that's set up for, for premature babies or for babies to travel between hospitals on support and whatnot. So... When we got told for that, it was like this huge kind of weight and relief of our shoulders because we knew that that drive was going to go for good. And then we'd be back home 10 minutes from where the hospital is. So that moment was good for us. And then we remembered following them down the uh, down to Eastlink. And we're like, oh my God, how, like, how good is it following your boys in an ambulance? And I think people wouldn't think much of it. But for us, having done that drive
1: mm-hmm.
0: every day for five or so weeks. It was just, it takes the out
1: Yeah. It was very exhausting, but it was so, so exciting to have the boys closer to home and, and being home and being able to visit them whenever yeah. we wanted and being able to spend that extra couple of hours with them each day was just exactly what we needed to lift our spirits, knowing that they were closer to actually coming home.
0: Yeah. And I guess when they got to Frankston and went into special care nurseries, when we really sort of got to see them develop properly because, they were hitting these like mini milestones along the way, but we were actually physically there to see it. Yeah. and It's crazy,
1: isn't it? We're well, looking back to that first day that they were born. I remember for the first couple of days after they were born, their skin was the biggest thing for me, how sticky and underdeveloped their skin yeah. was compared to now being normal, looking like normal babies, but just watching them grow and change over that time in NICU and then in the special care nursery, its it's crazy.
0: Yeah, so when they ended up getting to a certain point, they lasted about maybe three and a half weeks in Frankston? It was yep. about three and a half weeks? Yeah, three and a half weeks. Yeah, so I guess in total it was just over eight weeks. Levi and Tate were in hospital and, yeah, they were sort of hitting the milestones along the way and then towards the end of their time in special care nursery, I remember we got told that, hey, they're going to be coming out this day, get all the stuff ready to come, and then we went in there and then it was a false alarm. We had to extend it an extra night Unfortunately, uh, unfortunately,
1: yeah, the boys had to meet a certain weight target and they also needed to be able to feed for 24 hours straight. So the boys had been tube fed since day one because they're obviously so, so small. And in order for them to be released or discharged from hospital, they had to be able to feed either by breastfeeding or by bottle feeding. So suck feeding. So we they didn't want them on the tube through the nose into their stomach. And unfortunately, because they also didn't put on weight at that time, that 24-hour feed cycle, they wouldn't let them go home.
0: Yeah, so I guess that was all right. And we didn't want to bring them home when they weren't fully ready to, uh, because it does put a bit of pressure on us to monitor them. Uh, Look, we're not qualified doctors or we don't claim to be or nurses. And yeah, I thought we wanted them to come home in the best possible shape to give us the best opportunity to sell them in the home. So it sort of got to the point the following day they did come home and I remember we were carrying them out in the um, in the capsule seats of the car mm-hmm. and we just like looked at each other when we got out of the hospital and it's like we feel like we're in like a, just a different world, hey?
1: I know. It was it just didn't even know what to do with ourselves just carrying these little humans into the car, taking them home.
0: Mm. They were good in the car too. So good. You're probably thinking, oh, their first car trip, they'd whinge and cry and carry on. But honestly, they were little angels. They did make a peep. You sat in the back with them, Mm -hmm. monitoring them as I was driving. And yeah, it's been good.
1: The boys have been home now for two weeks.
0: Yeah, -hmm. just over two weeks. And it's been good. I guess we've kind of used the opportunity to sort of just really lay low as much as possible um, and kind of get used to settling the boys in, getting on a bit of a routine with them. And yeah, I think a lot of people thought they'd been in hospital up until recent times, but I guess we're good at keeping secrets when need be. And yeah, managed to avoid that news getting out because we were really pushing for that time just basically the four of us to settle in get sleeping patterns right get the feeding patterns right too because they always said to us the nurses at the hospitals that when we brought them home it was kind of like resetting and restarting again because they're so used to the noises in the hospital being in constant light hearing nurses talking all the time and being hooked up to machines and whatnot and they weren't going to have that here at home
1: yeah yeah it's been a been a very funny transition we Definitely don't have a sleeping or a feeding schedule down pat. It's very unpredictable with the boys, but we're trying our best. It's 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 so rewarding, but it's very hard as well.
0: Very hard. Should we talk about the first night we oh. brought them home? So the boys came home in the morning um, and we had basically half a day to sort of settle them down and get used to them. We thought, oh, they're, they're pretty good, like they're... They pretty are. settled and they're whatnot, good babies. and they are good babies. They're
1: such good babies. But
0: that first night, how many hours sleep did you get?
1: Uh, I I think I got five minutes.
0: Yeah, and I think I had about two hours max.
1: Yeah, yeah, it was the one of the hardest nights, and it was to be expected their first night being home. But I obviously was getting up and just looking over them to make sure that they're breathing, as any new parent does. When uh, they've brought their babies home for the first time and making sure that they're they're sleeping right and they're swaddled correctly, it's a it's a very scary time that first night of sleeping.
0: And I guess if you are a first-time parent, listen to this. You're probably gonna experience the same things that we have. I know that I've got plenty of friends that have had children and speaking to them regularly to get their advice. Like they said the same thing to us. I said, look, the smallest thing you think is a huge possible deal and it's nothing i think because you can't spend 24 7 within the hospital with covid regulations and whatnot you kind of you don't see the full picture like for us we hadn't and didn't have an opportunity to really see them overnight yeah as such so we always had heard from the nurses that oh your boys levi and tate they love a good chat at night they're very noisy and we're like well they can't be that noisy like they're premature babies
1: my goodness
0: but uh we were very much wrong about that <laughs> particularly on the first night we got that firsthand hand.
1: I don't think I've really slept since the boys have come home. Uh, what's probably three hours is probably the max I've ever slept. Yeah. So the boys are very very noisy, grunting, groaning. Any 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 sound will just trigger me to wake up. They're very 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 noisy boys.
0: And see, I'm depending how you look at it, I'm lucky in one sense that I'm a deep sleeper, but also unlucky for lissas. Sensitive because I don't really hear it. So I go to bed and I crash out and you hear everything. <laughs>
1: I think we've got some audio of what the boys actually sound like.
0: Yes, we do actually. Not <laughs> well, you can hear it here, <laughs> but also listen to this. This is when they're at their peak performance time, we call it, when they're very chirpy. So particularly at night time, we get a lot of that and we deal with it <laughs> the best we can. We kind of laugh, but I think we're laughing because we're just like, oh my God are you going to take a break? Because it's really funny, the boys during the day don't make a peep.
1: No, no peeping at all. They're so quiet. They, they sleep so well. It's just at night. They just seem to come to life. And the nurses did say that it's very common with preemie babies to be so noisy, just try to find their voice and all the different sounds that they make. But our boys seem to set each other off. One makes a noise and the other one is responding.
0: <laughs> and it's been good because when you come home from special care nursery, in our situation, we were um, put into a, I guess, a program, a sort of hospital at home program. So the boys were still patients at the hospital, but they were under our care with a nurse coming out daily to check up on them and mm. do examinations and that. So that was good. And they kept saying to us by the day, or oh, how are they going, how are they going? We're like... Yeah, they're pretty similar night by night, and they said, "Oh, look, things will ease up." And we've had other parents reach out to us too on social media and people that we know, and they said, "Look, it does get easier, and it definitely is getting easier." I think the more you get used to it, I think is what makes it easier.
1: Yeah, for me, it's it's it seems like we have one really good night where the boys sleep really well, and then the next night it it's a shocker overnight, uh, and. I definitely find it really difficult at times. I'm a person that really loves, you know, a solid 10 to 12 hours of sleep. <laughs> I'll never have that again. I, I'm aware of that. But I remember the, I think it was the third night. I remember the boys just wouldn't settle. And they were, they were, they do it. They had this little squeal that's high pitched. It's Levi
0: that's got the squeal. Yeah.
1: And I just remember lying on the couch trying to calm, I think it was Levi down and I just broke down in tears and sobbed and sobbed, thinking I'm not going to get any sleep and getting myself all worked up and overwhelmed. And yeah, I was right. I didn't sleep at all that night, but just that pressure of, you know, I, I don't know why my baby won't calm down. Any first-time parent knows how, how bad you feel.
0: Do you remember what the issue was that night, though? We lost one of their dummies yeah. at your parents' place. We took the boys around to introduce them. Towards his parents and we lost a dummy and it's very hard to get the premier size dummies that are small enough and we could only get them from the hospital and we couldn't get a hold of them to get more in. So we basically had to share a dummy for a night and both boys just, particularly that night, were really interested in having a dummy. So uh, that kind of made it a bit worse than what it was normally. But I guess now that we've sort of had them home for for two weeks, do you reckon it's got easier?
1: Yes. Yeah, so, some days are better than others. For me, I think it, it it's just a day-by-day day situation. It's it's definitely the nights that are harder. The days, the boys are so well-behaved and, you know, you seem to come to life after that 9, 10 o'clock in the morning window. And you, yeah. You know, you have a coffee and you, you're, you're set, you're right to go. Um, but then, yeah, I, I seem to get a little bit nervous at nights knowing <laughs> that is it going to be a good night? Am I going to be able yeah. to get even just an hour or two of sleep? Every day, is, uh, every day is interesting.
0: Can I ask, what is your least favourite part so far since the boys have been home? <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's definitely the lack of sleep. I After speaking with the nurse, there was a day where I broke down with the nurse and I just hadn't had any sleep and everything was just kind of piling up on top of me. And, you know, as I said, I love sleep and it's just not something that I'm able to have at the moment and sleep deprivation is real. And as the nurse kept saying, it's a, it's a form of torture and she was absolutely right it's um it can be really really hard sometimes and i don't think that will get any easier until until they get a little bit older
0: what's been your favorite part oh everything everything yeah
1: everything Uh, even the sleep deprivation just you know i know that i break down in tears waking up in the middle of the night but you just look at your baby's face and it's all worth it.
0: And you can hear Tady in the background now oh. agreeing with mum. You doing, yeah. you, you're you some, agreeing?
1: You're fluffing. You're doing <laughs> some fluffs.
0: Are you going to fart on the podcast? No. <laughs> you probably will. And I guess when we've had the nurse here at home too, it's probably a really important thing to bring up because a lot of men don't really understand it, but women obviously are all over it. And it's a postnatal depression mm. that comes with, I guess, giving birth and whatnot. And I guess the nurse was sort of, really watching you with it because you were saying you were sleep deprived and all that sort of stuff. And I saw that you were like really drained and really tired and she was kind of examining you for all that. And I guess one of the things that sort of came to us was that you weren't really leaving the house all that much. Like you were kind of stuck inside. It kind of felt like you were in lockdown again where I had small opportunities to go out and do some soccer training Mm -hmm. and whatnot because um, we've been in pre-season for that. so Going
1: to the shops, yeah, food. Yeah,
0: doing all the food shopping and stuff. So, But you didn't really have that. And then I guess that was the one thing that the nurse had really said, like we both need to try and get out, because postnatal depression can affect men and women as well, which I didn't know it affected men.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, so that was a bit of an eye-opener. And I thought, well, I know myself, I've been okay, but I guess we are sort of wired a little bit with you with your past, with that mm. type of thing. So we sort of... Yeah, making sure that you're okay. And then they said to us, you need to get out and you need to get out in public and do things, get outdoors, go, try and live a normal lifestyle. You've got to incorporate oh, your kids into it.
1: Yeah, and trying to, you know, have the, the boys fit into our lives. And I, and I had literally just basically forgotten how to live. And my whole life was revolving around the boys. And with twins, it's just changing nappies, feeding, burping, putting them to bed and then basically once that's all done the cycle started 45 minutes later all over again it took so long and I hadn't left the house in what about a week I hadn't seen I had not stepped even a foot out the door and it just really got on top of me and it's only been a couple of short weeks that they've been home but you know I'm finding that I'm slipping back into these old habits and and just you know trying to be the best mom that I can be but yeah, with my past, with depression and anxiety, I had flagged it with the nurses and, uh, before I gave birth. And now uh, I can definitely see the 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 start of postnatal depression, but I'm doing everything I can to, to uh, prevent that from developing any further because once you slip into that black hole, it can be quite hard to get out of.
0: And I guess it kind of brings up a point of while we've sort of gone out, particularly to a certain event recently. I guess you hadn't seen a lot of our friends that we do have of late, and it was kind of like, well, let's get out and do something, like do what normal couples do, normal people do, and all of our friends were going to a boxing event, and we were invited by uh, Vogue Dental and Dr. D, who we do a lot of stuff with uh, in the past year, and we haven't even seen them for a while, so it'll be good to catch up with them. So we went along just literally... As a date night type of thing for us to sort of get out and do what normal people do, um,
1: <laughs> it was a date night, wasn't it? Because I'm, I'm a I'm yeah. a, I'm a big fan of kickboxing. I love the UFC. Contrary to what people think, oh, oh that's not a date night. Yeah, for people say, why are you <laughs> going to a
0: boxing event? And I'm like, well, your family, you guys love it. Your We've dad got a family is a, of
1: kickboxers. Yeah, your
0: dad's a great kickboxer and all that type of stuff. So it's kind of like they've got me into it. So I'm like, and we had fr- friends who were fighting there, so people sort of say that we went for a particular reason. Yeah, the particular reason we went there was to catch up with friends we haven't seen for a while and have a night out with those friends. So, I mean, to be fair, we actually had a great night until the last 15, 20 minutes of being there.
1: Yeah, it was nice for me to get out of the house. and But, you know, since since then, haven't left the house again. And, yeah. It's, no.
0: um, I think one thing to sort of touch on is a lot of people are quick to judge, particularly other parents too. I think...
1: Wow, I've never felt yeah. so... I've never, ever felt so attacked and hurt and humiliated by other people on social media telling me, you know, how I should be raising my children or what I should be doing or, you know, where I can go. It's real, I've, like, I thought everything after maths was bad. This is worse. This, my DMs, are, like, I copped hate during maths, but this is a different level of hate. And, wow, you know, you're definitely entitled to your opinion, but don't sprout your your own personal opinions and beliefs onto my page because I have no issues with blocking you. I'm I know I'm doing my best as a parent. You know, we're doing our best as parents and thank goodness we've got such a good support network down here in Melbourne with our family because, you know, there are people out there and i'm i'm you, you know me i'm so sensitive to mm. what other people say and i know you're so headstrong but man you, you people that are nasty and so opinionated and hurtful you don't know the harm that you're doing
0: i don't i think just because people want to share their opinions like people are entitled to opinions. Absolutely. There's no doubt, but Absolutely. it doesn't mean that you have to share it all the time and
1: and co- and just use vile, vile, vile language.
0: Well, I think one thing we discovered in the past week or so, you could say, is that just because you're a parent doesn't mean that you're an expert. As yeah. you said, like just because you do something a certain way doesn't mean one it will work for other parents and their lifestyle or it's the right way to go. Like I guess if we knew situations on parents that were commenting towards us saying. You shouldn't be doing this. I'm like, well, I'm sure that the things that you do, that yeah. we would frown upon and say, well, well, why are you doing that? Like, you know, for but, example, yeah, yeah.
1: I, what's what? This is a perfect example. I put up a photo of myself holding a, a a cocktail. Yeah, from a weekend out a few weeks ago, and my goodness, how many people said, you know, what kind of mother are you? Why are you going out and leaving your boys at home? Um, in the hospital Uh, are you supposed to be drinking when I can't believe you're drinking alcohol while you're breastfeeding I've I've been very open with my breastfeeding journey and unfortunately I'm no longer breastfeeding because I'm no longer able to produce milk because of absolute stress from the last couple of weeks with the boys being in hospital then being home and sleep deprived and having people attack me online and sending me dms about drinking alcohol and you know, oh wow! I had one drink, but I'm not breastfeeding. I didn't put my children in danger at all. You you don't know just by looking at a photo about a person's situation.
0: And I guess we were told by nurses too. It's probably the perfect time to say it, that a lot of stats that come out are around new parents. So, for example, I said like, I remember one of the nurses saying to us one time like, you've got to watch because a lot of parents can't handle the stress of it and mm. turn to alcohol. Oh. And I said like.
1: Which whole, isn't the case. No, which
0: one, of, not for you, no. but one of the highest number of groups involved in, I guess, is alcoholism or people that binge, drinking. binge drink and that type of thing are new parents that are getting used to parents. So it's kind of like, well, people, you kind of just, you put in into perspective and think, okay, like, why are you saying this? Just because you put a photo of one drink doesn't mean that you're hitting the booze every night (laughs) because you're not a big drinker and neither am I. I went
1: out out with my girlfriends for our annual Christmas event and I had a cocktail and it was such a good time to see my friends that I hadn't seen almost in the entire time that the boys were in hospital and at home. And you know what the, the funny thing is I'm a part of a few groups,
0: mothers groups, yeah,
1: online and looking through Facebook and looking at these twin pages and these mothers pregnancy groups. And, you know, I've seen so many parents or, or mothers post, um, I'm, you know, 10 weeks pregnant and I really want a cigarette. I'm a, I'm, I've always been a heavy smoker and I, you know, I just caved and I had a cigarette. Now imagine me jumping onto that Page and going, oh my goodness, you are so disgusting. I can't believe you smoke or, you know, just spreading so much hate when, you know, I don't know what that mum's going through and, and not that I condone that situation, but there, there's, every parent is different. And if you choose to smoke while you're pregnant or, you know, with a newborn at home, then that is your choice. My opinion does not matter and I'm not going to get onto someone's social media page and just project that.
0: At the end of the day, I guess the negative opinions that come in about what we've done, what you've done since the boys have been home whatnot, even though no one knew that they were home, it's still a very small minority opinion. The support that we get and the congratulation messages and I guess just general support and how we're bringing up the boys outweighs it by a mile to the, the messages that come through. So it's not a situation of us whinging and sort of trying to highlight the negativity but for us it's literally it's the small dent in social media that is unfortunately the loudest voices of course um look we're not gonna sit here in kid we get a lot of messages come through
1: mm-hmm.
0: both of our accounts week in week out um
1: you know i, oh, yeah. I, I just want to be able to get on to social media and i would just love to give everybody a virtual hug that sends a kind message and i know that we get a few nasty messages of late and That obviously triggers me because I'm just not that headstrong when it comes to... Because I'm just not used to people being so nasty. But, you know, I do see all those beautifully kind, positive comments and I wish I could respond to everyone. Like I'd love to just send everyone a love heart just so that they know that I've seen it because for someone to go out of their way to post something so nice, you know, it, it, it just... It does. It makes you feel so warm and really, really grateful to all the kind followers that we do have.
0: And that's probably one of the main reasons why being kind to other parents is one thing that we want to look at in the future, as in how can you help parents of newborns, not just specifically newborns that are premature like our two boys Mm. are, but just parents in general. Because if you're a first-time parent, it's the hardest thing you're ever going to do. And that's one thing we've been really looking into is how we can assist, and we've spoken to people about it, how we can sort of help raise awareness of, helping and supporting newborn I guess parents and whatnot so Mm. that's one thing we're looking forward to doing in the next year or so and it's one of those things where giving our platform we've got that we can do it Mm. so it's one thing to look forward to and yeah I guess we've gone through it firsthand seen the good and the bad sides of it and yeah we're going to try and do everything we can to help raise awareness for it
1: absolutely
0: hope that you've enjoyed our Christmas edition of the What Happens After podcast. It has been about six months as we hear Levi chiming in in the background. <laughs> Tate's fast asleep on mum's lap as we speak, but we just wanted to give you an insight into what it's been like for the last six months. We do appreciate everyone's kind messages yeah. that we do get on Instagram especially, because it's literally the only platform we use. So thank you very much for that. It's, I guess, the best way we can sort of thank you. Uh, it's so hard to reach out individual to people, but... Um, it's been a hectic nine months for us, hasn't it? Gosh, it's been a crazy year. We're looking forward to mm-hmm. 2022 and we're obviously not too far away from it. Uh, we want to wish everyone that's listening to this a very Merry Christmas, yes. uh, a very safe festive period with family and friends. And hopefully you're in a situation like we are now where you can see your family and friends. My yeah. family's all down here on the from the Gold Coast at the moment. So I'm really excited. I haven't seen them, geez, since... Before maths started on TV,
1: my nan and poppy have come down from Sydney, so we're going to have a huge family Christmas for the boys this year. It's
0: going to be massive. Their first Christmas, we're super excited. And look, I guess we're excited too because 2022 is a brand new year. There's a new maths series coming up, which will thank the Lord, <laughs> which will hopefully put us into the background, long gone, which will be fantastic for us because then we can just live a normal life. Or whatever normal looks like for us but at the same time too we have got some exciting announcements coming up in the next couple of weeks to look out for uh, one in particular is huge Yeah, <laughs> probably can't play it down any more than that but it's a, it's a big deal so yeah it's
1: going to be exciting
0: yeah if you love food you'll definitely want to keep an eye on our <laughs> social media accounts because not only do we love food but we want to help you with food as well so we'll tell you more about that in the next couple of weeks but yeah we were asked to be ambassadors for a really big company that will have known for a while yeah and they do really good things in not only australia but the uk so uh we'll let you know more about that when the time's right in the next couple of weeks maybe we should go and start finishing our christmas wrapping because i'm sure you've got a present for you down and it's not wrapped
1: oh no it's there's nothing under the tree for you yet babe huh. it's all for the boys
0: i've got you sorted oh really yeah see that big one over there yeah that's yours
1: I didn't realise a car could fit into a box like that.
0: (laughs) Oh, oh, God. Mm. Cars are expensive. (laughs) I'll have to get a second job for that one. But thank you very much for listening to our podcast, obviously the 10-part series we had earlier this year and this Christmas edition. We hope you have a great time with family and friends and we will definitely be speaking to you all in 2022.
1: We love you. Hey, it's Liz. If you ever wanted to ask me a question about myself, Bryce us as a couple, or you'd like me to discuss a topic of your choice, you can email us at whathappensafterpod at gmail.com. And hopefully I can answer it next time on our podcast.